0: Welcome to yet another episode of the Kenyan Wall Street Podcast. My name is Ali Mwakaneno. I'll be your host for the show. So with me, I have Estan Detti, who is the Executive Director of the East Africa Private Equity and Venture Capital Association. And she's also the judge for the Angaza Awards. And we want to have a conversation on women venture capital. For new listeners, the Angaza Awards are by Kenyan Wall Street and Calidoscope is an award that wants to recognize the achievements of women in the finance sector and Estanghetti is one of our judges. Welcome to the show Esther.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here with you today.
0: All right, well right to it. Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, so as you've mentioned, I'm an Executive Director at the East Africa Private Equity and Venture Capital Association, which can be a mouthful, so we like to say EAVCA for short. And the EAVCA is a trade association for private capital providers in East Africa. Mm -hmm. And what that means, it's a network of investors and practitioners in the private equity and venture capital industry. We were set up in 2013 when seven private equity firms basically self-organized with understanding that there needed to be an awareness of private equity and venture capital across East Africa. There's an increasing number of funds coming into East Africa, but not enough understanding of what that was as, you know, an alternative source of capital for businesses. So both public sector and private sector was completely, not completely, but didn't have a complete understanding of this asset class that was now growing in the industry. So, you know, policymakers were looking for ways to maybe regulate this new asset class. Businesses, on the other hand, were not too sure, you know, is this a trusted form of financing for their businesses. So the association was put together to raise awareness and an understanding and an education of what private capital um, sources there were available in East Africa. Um, so yeah, so I work for the EAVCA as a full-time, <laughs> I get this question all the time. Uh, it's a full-time role. It's a network of over a hundred firms, um, P E V C, legal advisors, transaction advisors. Cut across the entire spectrum of capital from early stage investors to the big ticket deployers in this market. So entirely the
0: whole ecosystem involved. That's what
1: we aim to do, to right. capture the entire ecosystem, yes.
0: Okay. Well I was looking at your profile earlier and I learned that well, you didn't study business, you you have a Mac engineering background. What was your journey into, you know, VC and how was the switch?
1: Um, So I'll share my journey, but it's not a traditional journey, really. Um, I think it's one of those where you feel your way to a role that, you know, eventually feels like it was meant for you, but was not very clear at the beginning. So um, one of the things I knew for sure as a student in mechanical engineering at the University of Nairobi was that I would never fit in a traditional corporate company, one, or be a cog in the wheel. So, you know, you have this huge organization, no autonomy, you're just a little ant in a village somewhere. <laughs> um, I always knew I needed a role where I was able to express myself, know all my colleagues have decision-making capabilities and things like that. So that's the only thing I knew for sure when I was in university. So whereas my colleagues would immediately leave the university and join the airlines or the breweries or these are the organizations that take mechanical engineers in bulk numbers, I knew for certain that i wanted to run or build solutions um, have a startup have what now later was called a startup i didn't know that i thought i was going to build a bit of a consulting firm initially mm-hmm. so when i did, you know, finished university i tried to set up a business Did not have the business acumen to actually (laughs) really take that business to where it could have been. I look back at sort of like the fundamentals of the business and I know that it could have been something worthwhile if I had the knowledge I have today, for instance. But then, you know, I was an engineering student with extreme, you know, technical skills and how to build solutions, but not really the acumen to sort of like commercialize that, right? So, of course, I have a few failed um, startup stories in in my past. And somewhere along the line, I remember being, I think, on the second attempt to run a business is when I got very frustrated, you know, knocking at banks' doors, trying to finance this business. And they're looking at you like, who are you? What is your track record? You know, and I'm like, come on, I have the best idea on earth. I already have clients, I have what you know, all this potential. But banks don't they don't finance potential, right? No, no, they don't. Yes, you have to have collateral, you have to have track record and everything that you know and, and the right relationships on top of that, right? So I remember being very frustrated on the second business that I tried to put together. It was actually doing really well. I had a co-founder, but then we did not agree on how the business was to grow from there. And so we parted ways. But I know I was certain I wanted to do something in the intermediary side of the business um, ecosystem, rather. So somewhere between either providing advisory services for businesses or just getting into the funding side of things and understanding what these opportunities are i didn't think there's enough information out there with regards to sort of like you know capital alternative sources for instance right um i didn't know that, that things like grants i think would have been perfectly <laughs> fit for a grant or you know i didn't know those angel investors for instance you know uh, in, it was just a complete you know <laughs> right
0: I, i'm happy you actually brought up this story yeah given that i would call you a founder um, you're on the other side of the divide right now. How do you view things? How do you view um, funding opportunities and alternative uh, sources of capital?
1: That's an interesting question. I think definitely uh, ecosystem has evolved ever since those days, right? Um, one, there's more information out there. There's a lot more understanding of what opportunities or what sources of capital are there. Number two, there are more alternative sources of capital um, in the market. I think in those days there were a limited number of funds and looking for businesses, you know, and you know, just a smaller market. It's grown so much more over the past decade. Mm -hmm. Um, Also the ticket sizes, for instance, Um, there are very few seed startup financing solutions or providers initially. Early stage investors were very few in this market that has significantly increased over the past you know, few years, especially in the last three, four years. Definitely. right? So I think it's all growing in the right trajectory. Like we need to recognize that the venture capital, the venture funding industry, particularly in Kenya, is very young. We are barely a teenager, if you're to a, you know, use an analogy with regards to you know, the growth of a person. right? So you know, there's still a lot that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not there yet, but I
0: feel like we're on the right trajectory. You've, you've taken me off a tangent and, you know, I'll go with it. Where would you put Kenya, you know, compared to other African giants, compared to um, regional players like um, Nigeria and South Africa, Egypt, <laughs> in terms of, you know, both awareness to alternative sources of funding and actual, you know, money rolling on the ground?
1: Well, that's an interesting question, which was not on the script. <laughs> but I'll say, I think, about three things. One the awareness in uh, Kenya is a lot higher than many parts of uh, Africa, right? Um, Amongst the giants, um, you know, I don't know who, Nigeria, Egypt, South Africa, Kenya, I think really we are at par with regards to awareness. Um, With regards to number of funds and the ease of funds setting up in our country, like Kenya actually is one of the easiest countries to attract capital when you compare those countries the regulatory environment, the enabling environment is, you know, it's more supportive than many of these other countries. So I think we are really at a better playing field and how you can be able to measure that is despite our economy being smaller, our economy at large being smaller than Nigeria and South Africa and Egypt, in terms of capital deployed in Kenya, we are second currently on the continent, for instance. So why are we having more in, uh, capital being invested in Kenya, it are such a small economy in comparison to these others. It's because of that enabling environment, that, that awareness, and that ease to attract more capital. which is something that EABCA does. Basically, our, our fundamental role is to attract more capital into East Africa. And so being able to see that and witness that, that is really great for us. One of the things that is a big difference, though, for instance, Nigeria and um, Kenya, is that in Nigeria we see a lot more local funders, local capital supporting startups. You know, the high net worth individuals there have an understanding and are plugging money into the ecosystem to ensure businesses are growing fast. So that by the time institutional investors are coming in, these businesses have already had experience with angel investors and you know that early stage funding. I think we still have a lot more to do with that um, here in Kenya for instance.
0: I know that you've talked about you know where we are compared to our peers. What do you think are some of the major bottlenecks in the VC space, you know, in Kenya and East Africa as a whole?
1: So I think the one we've just talked about is just having more local capital participate in venture capital, Mm -hmm. right? So if our pension funds, our high net worth individuals, our institutional investors could put more money into venture capital, I think it would go a long way in be able to develop that sector more. Currently, venture capital is underpinned by foreign capital. And because of that, then we have to, you know, follow certain norms and, you know, biases that keep coming up in conversations. But, you know, I think to have a more robust industry, we just have to have more locals, more Kenyan money investing in businesses here. So I think that's one of the bottlenecks, you know. The other, I think, is something that's working. Uh, I think I talked about this earlier when we're seeing you know, initially there was a gap with regards to the ticket sizes available and the needs of the businesses on the ground. Right. So I feel like now that gap is starting to narrow. We're seeing smaller tickets being invested in this market. There's a time when, you know, an investor would say they're an early stage investor and their sweet spot is five million dollars. Now, what is five million dollars <laughs> to a Kenyan business startup, for instance? That's quite a bit of money, right? But now we're seeing, you know, a diversification and a range of ticket sizes available for different businesses, which I think is exciting. So it's not, it's still a gap, I think it still needs to sort of like be really brought down and have more funds doing really early stage um, tickets, but, you know, work in progress, right? And then even on the private equity side, I think I've spoken a lot about venture capital. It's like EVC works on a daily basis to you know, educate pension funds, for instance, on their role to invest in uh, private equity firms um, here. Um, in 2015, you know, CMA was able to you know, adjust regulation where up to 10% of local assets under management by pension funds could be invested into private equity. Up until two years ago, we were still at 0.00001% invested <laughs> into private equity. So the EAVC has been working hand in hand with um, pension funds to educate them and understand what is holding them back from investing in private equity as an asset class. And that number has gone to, you know, about just slightly under 1%, about 0.9% now. That's definitely a, a huge improvement. It is. It's, it sounds small, but you know, we're growing in the right direction, right? right? So, because again, it's a young industry, still see plenty of challenges, but also plenty of growth. I like to focus on the growth,
0: telling the growth story. Right. Let's move back to EABCA. So, (laughs) EABCA has a membership of over 100 companies, yeah? What are some of the initiatives that you've taken for startups, or rather, what are some of the initiatives that you have for startups in Kenya and East Africa?
1: everything we do benefits startups businesses small and big alike right Right. like i said our primary role is to attract capital into this market and to unlock local capital all that capital goes into businesses right Mm -hmm. and what we do falls under four main pillars really so the first one being advocacy where we work closely with policymakers, regulators to ensure there's an enabling environment that you know funds find it, you know, attractive to bring the capital into the market and right. know that there's regulatory systems and frameworks that will be able to support that. And so we work very closely with the CMA, the CAK, and any other regulatory body that has um, intersection with our industry. And then the other three pillars are training, where we train both those, the practitioners in the venture capital industry, but even startups, for instance. I'll give you an example of one training. We had a training on exits in tech. So, you know, as you prepare to see more exits in technology, the tech sector in Kenya, um, because we don't have enough track record of that in the market, it's good to sort of like train the CTOs, the CEOs of these companies, but also the funds who are invested in these companies to prepare for that exit, right? So essentially raising the technical capacity of these businesses, but also the investors are like um, and then our other pillars as well. So we have networking as a pillar where we're trying to convene peers, we're trying to convene investors in the market. And in these meetings, um, workshops, roundtables, you know, we're able to bring in entrepreneurs who can get a chance to network um, and know who the investors in the market are. Because like I mentioned earlier, a big challenge as well is just knowing who the investors are, for instance. And we're able to also do this through our reports. So we have a pillar around uh, what we call intelligence. So we try to be the first point of information with regards to the deals landscape in East Africa. So who the investors are, what are they investing in, what ticket sizes are they doing, where are they fundraising from, deal volume, deal value, you know, it's all these things. So I think through our pillars and the work that we do essentially is you know beneficial to the business and startup ecosystem at large.
0: Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about women in venture capital. You know, you're a woman in, you know, a really large association of venture capitalists. What has been your experience based on your interactions with other women in VC? Given that there's still very little money flowing into women-led startups. Okay,
1: I think those are two questions. One, you're asking women in venture capital, and then the other is women-led businesses who are invested into by. The space. Yes, because I think there nice. is a correlation, but mm-hmm. those are still two questions. Okay. So my, the first question was what is my experience with women in the network? Let me just start with that because it has been a really good um, very solid sort of like support system with regards to women in VC particularly here in East Africa. I feel very fortunate to be able to work in this role during this time in a network that is this large and growing, but also because of the women who are in the network. Um, I should say that when I was joining EAVCA, the chair of the board of EAVCA was a woman at the time. And she was instrumental in getting myself hired and my colleague Eva hired as well. And she has played a very supportive role all through. Um, We have other women in the board as well, who are all fund managers, by the way. Our board is led by fund managers, right? Um, You know, it's a big board, it has 11 members, four who are women investors in this market with you know strong phenomenal women who are well known across East Africa and they're very representative of the rest of the ecosystem so there's a number of uh, women fund managers or investors who are just in the ecosystem who are very supportive of each other um, who are open to sharing their experiences and just you know being able to give you the advice and the support that you need to be able to grow and to move along and to figure out what the space looks like. So I think we are very fortunate as an industry that we have that. And we even have women who have gone as far as creating a separate network of women investors across Africa. And I find that group very valuable because then our know, context really matters and you understand what a woman investor in West Africa is going through versus South Africa or, you know, a fund manager who's fundraising um, when her children are X, Y, Z, H, you know, toddlers for instance what that experience is that because no, what happens is that all the stereotypes and all the myths are broken down because then now you have access to women who are doing it and succeeding right and this is very important to be able to attract more women into the industry as well so i think we have a robust and growing group of women investors in the space um it's not very visible i think at the moment but that's why even at the eabca um, which is something I'm going to mention later, is that we have the Women Investor Award doing our industry awards at the end of every year, and it's just to be able to showcase and highlight the incredible women in the network as well. So I think, you know, of course there's space to have more and more women, which is something we work on every day, but then, you know, I'm very proud of the network, really. Um, then the other question is about capital being deployed to women-led businesses. Yes like everywhere else in the world this is you know it's a huge concern but again growth story is that you know there's an increased focus in um you know investing in women-led businesses and you know that the push has been really slow and basically pushing a big ball up a hill but i feel like we are Now getting to the ears of the people who would essentially be the decision makers in this. The LPs out there are now concerned about how much capital is being invested in women. Um, LPs being limited partners who invest into GPs or the fund managers, right? So now we're seeing gender lens investment vehicles being created with a mandate to invest in women. Something I'm really excited to see. We're seeing big funds, uh, prominent um, mainstream funds, creating gender lens, um, you know, divisions in their businesses, for instance, and, you know, committing to a certain percentage of businesses have to be led by women for them to be in their portfolio. You know, so as in we're seeing it's creeping slowly, and this is something that's happening across the world, but I'm really excited to see it happen here in Africa as well.
0: You know, you've mentioned uh, a couple of initiatives just to improve representation of women in VC funds, as well as sort of help deploy funds to women-led businesses. What are some of the changes that you think would add on top of that just to accommodate more women in the field, both in VC and in startups?
1: So venture capital as an industry, like I mentioned earlier, is still a young industry in the region, but it's still one of the most sought-after fields for business school graduates and financial services practitioners. right? So what I'd love to see is more... Effort by investment funds and, you know, uh, the financial services sector as a whole to both attract and retain women in the industry. So more effort, more deliberate effort on their part. And the second thing is data, contextualised data for our region. So, you know, data by EIB shows that women-led VC-backed companies in the EU enjoy high exit rates in terms of deal value and deal volume. My gut instinct says um, the same is applicable for women-led businesses here in East Africa, but we don't have the data to support that yet. So I would love to see that data, and I know now probably that's a thing for EABC to do, um, that shows that women-led VC-backed companies would essentially give them bigger exits in this market, and that would definitely attract more investment funds into women-led businesses in this market.
0: I feel like there's still more detail to go into just demystifying how investment works in East Africa and I would love to hold a separate conversation for that. Let's walk back to the Angaza Awards. Did your position as you know, a player in the VC space influence your decision to become one of our judges?
1: I don't think it's a thing with regards to my role or the organization that I'm in. I think I'm just generally dedicated to recognizing the outstanding women in the space. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we at the EVCA introduced the Women Investor Award uh, three years ago, for instance. And that is just dedicated to showcasing the amazing women who are breaking barriers and just celebrate their excellence, but specifically in the VC space. The Angaza Awards does this, but at a wider and bigger scope, right? It's women in the finance sector. And so for that, that was just amazing, and I'm just honoured to be a part of that.
0: What are some of the things you're looking for from participants as a judge?
1: That's an interesting question. I think from the application that I've seen, um, the women that we'll spotlight all show strength, diversity, innovation, and in female leadership you know, in the financial services in Kenya. But I think the thing that I'm looking for is the women who are actively championing change for women in finance, opening those doors, creating more opportunities, and being a light, a beacon for women in finance as a whole.
0: That sounds powerful. Now that we've already sort of closed the application for the Antasa Awards, what was some of the advice that you gave applicants you know, when you were still open?
1: I think it was apply. And this is just to apply. This was because of my experience initially. When you first launched uh, Women Investors Awards at EAVCA, you'd find that women didn't think they were qualified to, you know, nominate themselves, for instance, right? you know you'd be like no I think I need extra you know five extra years in a specific field to be able to apply for this regardless of the fact that they were running funds or doing incredible things in this market there's something about women and how we are built with wanting to be at a hundred percent of something if not more before putting yourself out there and this data is shown if you look even at um, recruitment um, and also promotions in various companies when a promotion is up for grabs What we've seen in the data show is that men will be like, I think I can do this, you know, regardless of level or years of experience or, you know, sort of like expertise in the field. You know, they'll always feel up for the role. A woman will, you know, think twice, right? Assess her, you know, skill level. And many times they would actually fit the role, but would want, you know, to have, you know, validation from like three quarters and themselves to be able to even make that application first. So I think the advice I did was to most um, potential nominees was, please apply. You know, based off the criteria, I think you are phenomenal and you're doing great work in this market and we want to see you showcased and highlighted and celebrated in the industry.
0: Guys, we, if you applied to the Angaza Awards... <laughs> results are underway, please please wait for that. As we wrap the interview, Esther, we're recording this interview on International Women's Day. First of all, happy International Women's Day.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: What words of advice do you have for women out there?
1: That's a big one. I feel like advice for women out there, we leave that to people like Angela Merkel and <laughs> Michelle Obama. <laughs> What I wanted to say was something um, that we might have missed as we were talking. Right. Is that we don't realize that the Angaza Award or Industry Women's Award or whatever it is, is not a women's award. It's not a award for women. It's not where men now decide to close their eyes and go like, these are those women things, right? <laughs> it's not that. It's a celebration of the industry as a whole to have more women leaders Taking up roles and growing the industry is beneficial for the entire industry and the sector at large, right? So, you know, just a reminder that the Angaza Awards is not just for women; it's for the industry, and that we should all celebrate men and women alike.
0: Okay, I have taken that home, and so have our listeners. We're going to wrap the podcast there. That was Estangeti for you. You will definitely hear more from her um, as Angaza will church and as a thought leader in the VC space. Thank you so much for joining this podcast. See you in the next one. Thank
1: you and congratulations to all the nominees.